You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 309th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 966th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 21st, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred on Monday when news broke that Indiana's top recruiting target in the class of 2024, Liam McNeely, canceled his official visit to Texas. McNeely currently plays at Montverde in Florida, but he is originally from Dallas, Texas, hence the big orange Whataburger flag during his official visit photo shoot. Now, why does this matter? Well, because it had long been assumed that his recruitment would come down to an Indiana versus Texas battle. But a lot has changed at Texas over the past year, most notably Chris Beard getting fired after a domestic incident with his wife. And Indiana's coaching staff has done literally everything in its power to build strong relationships with the McNeelys, which has positioned IU as the assumed leader in his recruitment. So with Texas out of the way, we should start planning the next emergency podcast, right? Well, not quite so fast. While it seems exceedingly likely that McNeely ends up a Hoosier, The one name in college basketball today that you really don't want sniffing around one of your top prospects is currently doing exactly that, none other than Bill Self in Kansas. And while the Jayhawks are playing from behind in terms of relationship building, McNeely has taken an official visit to Lawrence and, well, the history and recent success of Kansas basketball, plus the opportunity to play for a Hall of Fame coach, plus the recent success of Grady Dick, all speaks for itself. You'd have to be wearing the most crimson colored of glasses to not acknowledge how compelling of a package that is for a top prospect like Liam. But here's the deal. I don't have any specific intel that suggests Kansas has closed the gap to where they are running neck and neck with Indiana or anything close to it. Based on everything I know, I still think it's much, much more likely than not that Liam ends up a Hoosier. And we only need to reflect back a few months to recall Indiana going head-to-head with Self in Kansas and winning the commitment of Mackenzie Mbaco. So while a little concern is warranted, there's certainly no need for fear or panic, just patience. But Kansas is Kansas, and Bill Self is Bill Self, so it's certainly worth tracking. And hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, Indiana can once again induce fear on the recruiting trail, like Kansas, Duke, and I guess even Kentucky still do. For now, Liam McNeely Watch continues, and with the pull of the home state school out of contention, it's hard to feel anything but optimism about how this recruitment will turn out. But I, like you, sure will feel better and less anxious when a commitment to IU actually happens. Let's hope it's sooner rather than later, so we can bask in the excitement of this sound again. All right, now let me introduce my co-host for this week. Andy Bottoms, the Kyle Shanahan of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, is off this week, but two familiar voices are here with me. First off, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and a man who definitely knows how to celebrate a win over a rival. Shafino! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the coach. He 
remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What is on your mind this week? Well, the number one thing for me is that the schedules came out for for all the Big Ten schools. Uh, exciting as an Indiana fan to get to see where they're playing and who they're playing and set your schedules and, and try to come up with uh, your prediction for the wins and losses, and which we'll all talk about a, a little bit later. Uh, but I get to pick which games now I can go down and, and maybe cover for assembly call. Uh, I can go – I. You know, within two hours, I'm going now with Delphi Bracketology. So I picked some games at Illinois. I got some games at Notre Dame that uh, we're going to try to get some media credentials. It's been a fun couple of days for for this old guy, this well, old Notre coach, Dame. to to tr- What's try up to Notre see. Dame this year? Yeah, <laughs> uh, just a coach I kind of want to go see. But anyway, um, that's that's exciting. Always exciting when you're down to the last two to a very special player like McNeely. Uh, patience is the key. Uh, you know, a lot is being done. Coach Woodson is kill, still doing what he can do. That's been good news. And we're just closer and closer and closer to the start of basketball season. The Almanac, as you referenced in our community, came out uh, a, a really good source for all kinds of basketball information in a really easy format to 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 read. So I've been spending time, instead of teaching, reading about college basketball in all of the leagues uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I teach in the Lafayette area. No one watches this cause they're all Purdue fans. So I won't get in any trouble, but <laughs> it is getting close people. It is time to get excited. This team is going to be relevant. It's going to be good. Uh, and, and how good is, is the stuff that we have to discuss. But, uh, this old man's, uh, got a little pep in his step, uh, this week for Indiana. You basketball. cannot outwork me. That's right. Not <laughs> when it comes to studying college basketball, that is for sure. Um, okay. Also here with us, he's a senior writer for the big lead, a certified hater of all tips and kickoffs that occur prior to noon Eastern time. And a man who grew up in San Diego, but somehow allowed his life to take a detour through Milwaukee. What was he thinking? Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Uh, we we got we got a schedule. I mean, that's pretty much the big one. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of news, a lot of rumors floating around about Liam McNeely and and his decision not to go to Texas and what that means for Indiana. And we're just getting vibes at this point. Uh, we're, we're just riding with those vibes. Um, but uh, I think the big thing is the schedule and and finally getting a look at at something to talk about heading into the season. Thank you for giving us uh, something to, you know, basketball related to to have a discussion on um, that actually impacts this coming season. I think that's good for all of us. Got some media day quotes, all of that. Really nice uh, to make it feel like Indiana basketball is coming back. We got a couple weeks left, but we feel like we're ramping up to the season now officially. And Jared, do you want to just talk about the biggest event of the schedule coming out? Do you want to you want to go ahead and take that one? Let's wait a little bit. Let's wait till segment oh, two. Oh, we'll tease him? Yeah, let's tease drag him it out. Bit. Let's drag okay. it out a little bit, All right. I think. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I like doing it up front, but hey, yeah, you're, no, you're, let's, let's, you're let's captaining this ship bit. tonight, so I'm letting you do it. 
Um, Captaining the but, ship tonight, like Ryan typically captains it, but he's just no. I, it's coach it. is the it's coach because it's coach. I can definitely convince him. Coach is a bit of a softy. I can push him over a little. Andy, there's no. It's too robotic. There's no applying to his logic uh, or applying to his emotions. It's all logic. Um, but yeah, no. I just getting the schedule out and like having an idea what it's going to look like when they're going to be playing where. Um, kind of earmarking games to see where, you know, maybe this is where these guys can start to come together or, or they better have it together by this point. So really excited to, to break that down and take a look at it. Absolutely. All right. So here's what we have coming up. We've got Hoosier headlines. We're going to talk about media day, which also happened uh, this week. And there were some, there were some interesting comments that came out of that. Then we'll break down the schedule in segment two and then answer a bunch of great questions from our community members in segment three. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, yep, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere. And it's not just Indiana. It's apparel of colleges and universities across the country. I just saw, uh, I think it was today, they released Idaho and Idaho State. So, I mean, they have everybody. Uh, And, you know, as you start thinking, it's September now. Christmas is, you know, you still got a little ways, but it's not that far away. Uh, And so as you start thinking, okay, I need to, you know, start making my shopping list for others. I need to start crossing people off. Homefield is a great place to go. My dad just texted me uh, earlier this week a proud Colorado University alum who is extremely excited right now with everything going on with their football program, texted me a whole bunch of CU stuff from Home Field Apparel that he wants. So I will certainly be getting him that. Uh, he's got a birthday coming up and then for Christmas. And that's what you should do. Go to homefieldapparel.com. They've got so many great, unique logos. And if you want to learn more about Home Field and Connor and how their business came to be, we just talked with them on last week's episode. So you can go check that episode out. Uh, but we've been working with them for six, seven years back when they, even before they were home field apparel and they were Hoosier proud. And we've always just been really impressed uh, with their integrity, the way they do business, their commitment to quality. Uh, it's just everything that you could want. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23 at checkout, and you will get 15% off your first order. That's HOME23 for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. Uh, okay. So guys, who's your headlines? Let's talk about some of the most important stories. Uh, and before we get to media day, we have to talk about the big Hoosier hysteria announcement that came out this week. The musical guest is none other than Gucci Mane. Uh, I have taken the liberty of grabbing the instrumentals, uh, to one of, uh, Mr. Mane's classic songs. It's called Lemonade. Uh, and you know, Gucci, I think is a great choice for a recruiting event. Uh, he's got a song called I get the bag, um, which, you know, certainly fits this song that we're listening to right now. Lemonade features the lyrics. I'm standing in the shade and I'm selling lemonade 600 a pint, the going rate off in the a. So a song about entrepreneurship, uh, which we appreciate so hard listening to you. And what's great is Coach has actually prepared a dramatic reading and interpretation of Gucci Mane lyrics, which we're going to do in AC After Dark. Coach, are you uh, are you ready with that? Uh, I tried. <laughs> Coach Reed raps. Reads raps. It's a new segment on the assembly call. 
I, I tried uh, to actually look it up, but black uh, I failed. Out any any no no words? Can you just go yeah. through right now with a sharpie? Yeah. We'll yes. take the show. You go through and do that. <laughs> Look, we laugh about uh, this. Obviously, Gucci Mane was not chosen to impress us at Hoosier Hysteria. I'm impressed, um, but. <laughs> And, you know, look, I'm not, like, big into rap, and Gucci Mane was one of the people who I think, uh, you know, was one of the pioneers of the trap sound, I believe, uh, from the Atlanta area. Um, but Somebody's been reading Wikipedia. Look, I'm trying to educate myself. On, yes, I did get that off Wikipedia, actually, which is funny. Um, but, you know, trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay hip and in the know. Um, but obviously, this is meant to impress the students, meant to impress the players, meant to impress the recruits, because that is what Hoosier Hysteria is. Uh, so Gucci Mane will be performing for Hoosier Hysteria. Last week or last year it was G Herbo, and this year it is Gucci Mane. Um, so that should be a very fun event, uh, and it's smart to do. Again, it's not going to impress any of us, but it's the kind of thing that is going to impress the kind of people that they're trying to impress for Hoosier Hysteria. Um. And that is on Friday, October 20th is Hoosier Hysteria. There's a big list of recruits scheduled to attend. And as we get closer to that event, and another and and some more recruits who are potentially going to attend who have not committed yet, too, from what I understand. So it could be even bigger than that. That And Gucci might bring them in. Hey, very good. Very good. Uh, let's see. We've got a few more preseason predictions. Lindy's uh, preseason predictions came out. They had Indiana sixth in the Big Ten. The aforementioned Almanac uh, that Coach was talking about has Indiana fifth in the Big Ten. Uh, and our friend Dylan Burkhart from UM Hoops put together a really nice chart um, that compiles all of the different preseason rankings. Uh, you know, and it, and it kind of shows you where all the teams are ending up. And Indiana's range has been right in that four to seven range. And, you know, in that second tier of teams, which is basically what we've expected uh, and what we've been talking about. Um, so, you know, nice to nice to see those preseason predictions, um, none of which have really bought into the potential floor of Indiana. Um, again, with everybody, you know, having Indiana right there, the lowest one that's come out is seven so far. So that is always good. Uh, and gentlemen, yesterday was media day. Uh, so all the players were available. Coach Woodson, Trey Galloway, Xavier Johnson uh, addressed the assembled media from the podium. And then everybody else was there uh, talking and chatting. Um, you know, you don't always get a lot of great stuff from these events, um, you know, because it tends to be kind of some cliched offseason type stuff. But I do think there were a couple interesting things uh, that were mentioned. But I'd love to get your guys' thoughts first. Uh, Coach, what were your takeaways from – Media. None of us were there, obviously, but just from what you read and what you watched of Media Day. Well, you, you do get a lot of uh, cliches and coach speak and player speak in, in these uh, opening media. When the Big Ten media comes in a couple of weeks, you'll get the same thing from coaches. And every team had a great offseason and everyone's advancing and we like our team and, and all of those things. But I did think Coach Woodson seemed uh, uh, very comfortable. And the thing that I really – that I really appreciate is that he's not making – a lot of coaches will, will talk uh, about, oh, I had to rebuild when you lose a player like TJD. No, he wants to win, and he expects to win now regardless of, of what the roster is. Um, I just kind of like that attitude. I, I think that permeates through the, the program that, um, yeah, we lost some good players. We got some good players. Let's go win the Big Ten. Um, you know, there's some realism that has to be in there, but if, if you're coaching, you're coaching to win. I, I like that with uh, Coach Woodson, and, and so uh, I, I that 
uh, I found uh, interesting. I, I thought the, the the players, I mean, Trey Galloway looked huge. I don't know if it was a camera angle or, or the way he was sitting, but he looks really, really huge. I know Jeff Marlowe watched that uh, video like seven times um, of Trey talking. So, um, you know, it, it just – the, that and the leadership thing, and, and that's just so true, and I know you hear a lot of that in, in media. you got to have good leaders and all of that, but it's so true. A player-led team is better, and we've talked about what's a team look like under the leadership of X and Trey. Uh, that is going to be a, a key, and everyone says it's good, and you want to do that, and you want to do well, but then you have to execute that. But it sounds like that's been a big part of the of the talk. When you have some new guys in, these these old veterans have to step up, and those are things that we don't necessarily know a lot about. We don't know a lot about X and O's either. But I thought that was some key comments in in, in the uh, interviews uh, that I saw. The the one that is uh, it's not concerning, but I'm just going to watch is that he doesn't have a uh, a handle on what offensive philosophy he's going to be running yet. Um, you know that that seemed a, a little bit odd, but it, it's not incorrect. Uh, you've got to build something for your players, and with the new squad, you got to work a little bit. So uh, I thought it was really good uh, overall uh, for, for opening media day. I mean, you know, give the ball to your sixth year point guard and let him throw it into the five stars that are, uh, that are inside. (laughs) There's the offense. Uh, Ryan, you know, unlike USC media day, all media members were allowed there. No one was suspended or kicked out for suspension has been lifted. Let's, let's be fair. The suspension has been lifted. What did you do? <laughs> it wasn't me. Shockingly, it wasn't me breaking the rules. Have you ever been suspended from a locker room before? No. Uh, I've gotten a talking to before. Um, I've been pulled really? aside. I mean, I think every journalist at some point has been had a, a sports information director or a director of communications, like, pull them aside and be like, hey, you, that's not that's a good. Because, I mean, uh, in defense of the young man who was suspended by USC, there are a lot of rules and they're different everywhere. And it's kind of like, well, you can't talk to the players off to the side here. They have to be on the platform here, but if they're not at the microphone, but they're on the platform, it's okay. But if they're one step off the platform, it's not okay. If one foot's on one foot's off, that's a gray area we'll talk about. You know I mean? It's like, it's really crazy. And um, you come usually from, you know, covering high schools. That's where you start. And when you're covering high schools, Anything goes. I mean, you're just like, you know, you can talk to any because everybody's really excited to talk to you. You can talk to anybody anywhere. You, talk, you find a kid in the parking lot when he's walking with his parents and interview him there, you know, and then you move up to college and there's all these rules and all that. And so people step over lines and it happens. It's happened to the best of us. I don't know a single person in this business who hasn't been pulled aside at some point, been like that. Not OK. Uh, but it's usually handled very cordially, and USC did not do that. No, so, they and they have sent Lincoln Riley to his not. credit, stepped up and said, "We had a talk. We're all good. Moving forward." So, Look, that stuff flies in the Pac-12. All right, you're getting ready to come to the Big Ten. Yeah. We have different. Put on your big boy here. pants. Right. All right, come on. Treat media um, members with respect. Lincoln. But as to Indiana, yes. um, no, I thought it was really interesting how candid he was speaking about Kilowatt, about how Kilowatt yes. was labeled as lazy. And he used the word lazy, not like, you know, he needed better effort. And he said, yeah, they called him lazy. He needs to prove he's not lazy, essentially was what Mike Woodson said. And I think that's exactly true. And it's exactly what we've been talking about all offseason. Now, do we think he will be? No, I think that when somebody, well, it depends. Does he want to play in the NBA? If he wants to play in the NBA, he's going to work harder. I mean, that's, you know, that's the mo- that's all the motivation he needs. He doesn't need Mike Woodson for that. He just needs to motivate himself. But with with the coaches, you know, specifically knowing that's an issue 
after a year. I think it's a really good position for Kalel to be in that everybody knows that it's not a secret. That's what the problem was at Oregon, or that's what the coaches said the problem was at Oregon and, and people watching him said, so it's pretty much, I mean, you know, it's not a do or die season for him, but it is kind of put up or shut up time when you're projected as a lottery pick and you wash out at a school and have to leave. And they probably would have had him back. I don't, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but he clearly needed to go find an, a new cha- change of scenery, find somewhere else. And now everybody knows that's his reputation. So it's on him to change it. And I thought it was really interesting that Mike Woodson addressed that head on. It didn't coach speak it. He said straight up, everybody thinks this guy's lazy. He needs to go prove them wrong. And I, so that was the the quote I appreciated the most, I would say. Yeah. And I would, um, you know, you said something there that was interesting, you know, that he doesn't necessarily need Woodson to do that if he wants to play in the NBA. I would say, I think that there was no quote by Tom Izzo. I think, I think it was Izzo who said like, my job is to hold my players accountable to their dreams. So it's up to me to know what they want and I have to hold them accountable to that. So they get there. And I think that is the role of the coach. You know, it's clear well, when, when Kalel, well, let, hear me out. It's yeah, clear when Kalel was in me. Oregon, you know, that he struggled with the adjustment and there was no one there that could reach him because the assistant coach that he had the relationship with was gone. And it sounds like the Oregon coaching staff just kind of chalked it up to, you know, almost this guy's kind of a lost cause and we're not going to get anything out of him this season. Relied on talent, didn't work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of and, you know, now he's come here and he's getting some tough love from Woodson. And, you know, he's one of the big takeaways for me was listening to Kalel and listening to McKenzie and Baco be so out front and clear about their goals, which is to be in the NBA next year. You know, Kalel said he wants to get a spot in the lottery back and McKenzie and Baco said he wants to be gone next year. And we know that, but it is a little bit different for Indiana fans to hear players talking about it. So, yeah, straight up. And it's not a concern to me because when you get highly talented players, that is going to be their goal. And so if we want to swim in these waters from a recruiting perspective, we have to get used to it. It is something, however, that I'm putting a pin in because we've talked about this. You know, the issue is if things start to go poorly, if a guy doesn't play well, if he's not getting the opportunities in the offense, if things aren't going well and you start to feel that pressure of, oh, no, my goals are starting to fade away for next year. What happens internally? And I'm not saying guys either, either of those guys is going to do that. Yeah. But it is with this roster and some of the questions, you know, I mean, I think we all feel relatively comfortable with X and Trey as leaders, but it's still a lot of guys in new roles. It's just something to watch for when Indiana struggles. Um, and hopefully it all is good. And I think Mike Woodson is probably as qualified as any coach in America to handle that. Um, but it's something yes. to think about. I mean, because those guys laid their goals right out there. And if there are any speed bumps this season, how do they handle them? Um, They both seem like, you know, guys that have pretty good heads on their shoulders, but they're also freshmen and sophomores in college. So, so I found that interesting. But anyway, back to the point, Ryan, is obviously most of it is on Kalel. Like if he really wants to play in the NBA, he, it's got to come from inside of him to do the work that's That's necessary. But I do think having a coach that really knows you and knows how to connect with you and knows what buttons to push can help you get there and help you through the tough moments you're going to have. That's where you really need the coach. No. And I agree that, that to hold you accountable that totally, but the motivation and you can motivate a guy and push him, but if he doesn't want it, yeah, you can't, there's nothing as a coach you can do about it. There really isn't. And and maybe he thinks he wants it and he's not pushing himself or, or whatever, you can work with that. Like if he wants it, but he doesn't understand what hard work really is, you can teach him. But if a guy really doesn't want it, there's nothing you can do. And so that's what I mean is that he's got to want to be better. 
and to be like, you know, take it to the next level. And if he's not motivated to do that, it doesn't matter who your coach is. Now yeah. you're right. People can, you know, if he, if he's doing it and thinks he's working as hard as he can, and there's somebody observing it, a coach, a strength trainer, whoever, and can be like, Hey, you got 10% more go, you know, you need to push. Um, that's, that's basically what Woodson said about renew last year, you know, is he thinks he's trying hard, but he's not most freshmen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and let's be real. Most freshmen are that way. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a common trait. Everybody thinks they work hard because they've been successful and to, to a young mind, success means I work hard. A lot of kids run into that when they go to college and they just, they can do really well. And then they go to the next level of, of school and you know, realize, Oh, Oh, I thought I was working hard. You're, you're not, you need to actually study and do things. And, and it, so it, it translates to a lot of areas of your life, but for sure kids show up on campus and college, think they're the hardest worker in the world. And you'll hear it in recruiting too. This guy's a hard worker. He goes at it. It's like, it's nothing compared to what you're going to do at that next level. Like everything else, athleticism, speed, talent, whatever. It's a huge step up when you get to that next level. And then it's an even higher step at the next level after that. Yep. A coach's job is to make the proper connections with your players to know what they need, what buttons, <clears throat> excuse me, what buttons need to be pushed. But ultimately the responsibility is the player has to accept that coaching and accept that accountability and find it deep in, within themselves. And you really have three kind of players when you coach at any level, you have those very self-motivated ones that'll do the extra work and do it on their own without being uh, you know, told you got the ones that need to be, learn that lesson. As Ryan said, they think they work hard, but they don't. And the coach can bring it out. And then you have the ones who never learn the lesson, right? They, they just don't have a motor. The coach is trying everything. The bench is the motivation or whatever. And they just don't have that. And, and it might just be, they don't have it for a, a period of time and eventually they find it. Um, but I think that goes in any walk of life. You have those three levels and, and then the coach has to deal uh, with, with all of that. I had a, we have a couple D1 baseball players that came from Delphi, and, and my room is right off of, of left field in the batting cage. And those guys were constantly, at the beginning of school, five, six months away from practice, getting in, uh, you know, swings. The kid comes back from University of Milwaukee, doesn't have anyone to feed the pitching machine, and he calls me up in the middle of the summer to come, you know, feed balls in the pitching machine, and he's been playing in summer ball. When you see that as a coach, man, you just – i those are a couple of my favorite guys here that came out of Delphi. They weren't basketball players. They were baseball players. But I appreciated how hard they worked, and it was internal. And that's why they got D1 opportunities uh, in, in baseball. Kalel has to find it, and it has to find it inside. And I think Coach Woodson is has shown that. He got TJD to play to an excellent level. He, he got um, Hood Shafino – to, to play. He made that connection with renew. I think there's enough history to see that if the players want it, coach Woodson will be honest and straightforward and say, you're, you're, you need to do stuff. Um, you know, and ha he, I, I've always thought he's been a good communicator behind the scenes of here's what I expect. And here's what I see. And, and I'm here and I'm comfortable and I don't, I don't have to play games. Uh, I think that's a strength. And if we can get that out of Kalel, that'll be really, really good for this program. Absolutely. Uh, the only other thing I found really notable uh, was from Xavier Johnson, who said he originally didn't want to play another year of college hoops. Um, now, you know, NIL kind of made it feasible for him. We kind of heard his... that at the end of we kind of heard that about ha about halfway through the Big Ten season last year. We were all hearing yeah. that, that he was kind of yeah. if he couldn't come back, he was kind of done. It didn't look like he was going to be able to come back. 
which made some sense, you know, because yeah. he's an older guy and <laughs> Forever. he wants to start making money. You know, he's got limited time to play basketball. But this is one of the benefits of NIL. You know, Xavier Johnson yes. is not good enough to play in the NBA or the G League, probably. Um, but he is good enough to go overseas. But now he can stay at Indiana on a much bigger stage, earn NIL money, and he's got a real chance with a good season, you know, to, to you know, leave a real mark at IU. Um, there haven't been many point guards better than him at, at this school, and he's got a chance to do something special this year as a senior, helping to bring this young team along. Um, but that wouldn't have been possible without NIL. So I just thought that was interesting uh, and a good reminder. I know, you know, NIL remains kind of controversial, uh, and it seems like it's probably just a bridge to the ultimate place that we're going to get, um, you know, where players are actually employees, at least at some of the bigger schools. Uh, but even right now, it's having a big impact on keeping guys like Trace Jackson Davis and guys like Xavier Johnson uh, in school, which just makes it a lot more fun uh, to follow the team. Uh, okay, that is going to do it for segment one. As we move into segment two, the other big news item of the week, the schedule. We're going to go through the schedule, talk about the hard parts, talk about the better parts, and our overall thoughts. We'll break it all down for you next. Stick with us on this one. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you all here. Um, uh, I, get, I can't address other... that one thing, Jared, the the thing that on another website. Uh, I just want to say one thing about it, if that's okay. Go for it. The, yeah, I don't know. The, the, you, may, the, you may need to give some background on it. Okay, so yeah, uh, a comment I made about Boogie Flan wound up on Peegs this week. By the way, hi, all Peegsers. We love you guys. Uh Jeff and Eric, we love you too. Appreciate the comments. Um, and and in, I had said last week, I'm not sure what the exact wording was, but something along the lines of that, like Boogie Flan likes Indiana and he's interested in Indiana, but it doesn't seem that making a visit is his top priority. And and what I was kind of trying to say, and I get people thought that that meant that he there's no chance Indi- Indiana's out or something like that. That's not what I meant. What I meant was in recruiting actions always speak louder than words. And if something is a priority for you, you make it a priority. He has not scheduled his official to Indiana yet. And that's not to say he doesn't like Indiana or won't end up making a visit. I'm saying from the outside, this is not like a a, a situation where I'm talking to his handlers or anything. Uh, and and I, if that was confused, I, if, if people thought that, I, I'm sorry. No, but it just seems like the guys who really want to be have your school involved will make that a priority. And that's not saying that, again, I'm not making any 
judgments about Boogie Fland. It could be their scheduling conflicts or whatever. That's absolutely fine. But there is important context too. He he took a junior year official. So I know. He's been to campus. He has been then, to campus before, and he's and met with Mike Woodson personally. Yeah, it was scheduled for yeah. a while that Woody was going to be at his school and do an in home. Yes. So and maybe he's scheduling it for after that. I just said yeah. that what I meant was that like some of the other schools have had that chance, and IU's been on the back burner. And again, not to say that IU doesn't have a chance or IU isn't. It. I've already really likes Indiana, and he really likes Mike Woodson. That I can tell you, I have heard from people. It just, I have always, so you talk to, yes, we talk constantly, just not that night, just not that night. No. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, but I will say that I think that the, the way to always look at these things is actions speak louder than words. If kids from Indiana, from the state of Indiana are on campus a lot and are taking their visits and are, you know, in touch with the coaching staff all the time, Indiana's in it. If they're not doing that usually means they're not going to come to indiana i mean you rarely see a surprise a, a, a big surprise when the track record says one thing so again yeah. and i'm not putting him in that category he's not from here whatever but i just feel like if it's a priority you make it a priority sometimes and and again there are exceptions and, and boogie flan might be an exception that he just waits to to set that visit until much later maybe he was waiting to meet mike woodson in person i don't know uh, I do know that he he very much likes Indiana and he really likes Mike Woodson. So uh, that's as far as it goes. And we'll see if he if he does book that visit. And I hope he does. And I hope he gets on campus and I hope Indiana gets his best shot at him because he's a very good player. Yeah, I wouldn't Kentucky, get concerned. And, and Kentucky really wants him. So that would I, make it I wouldn't better. get concerned unless October comes and goes and there's no official visit. If that, that happens, I'd start to get fair. concerned. Until that's probably then, fair. And also still that... lots of positive chatter. Well, and let's also remember that conversation was coming off of us talking about how Indiana has left this very late with these recruits. And we were talking about that. And it's kind of like, well, Boogie Fland, if he isn't on campus anytime soon, and he's going to make a, he might be a kid who decides, hey, I don't want to commit till the spring. I mean, I know that's not his plan right now, but if that's the case, then okay, you can push it back. It's fine. But these kids are going to start making commitments before their seasons start in a lot of cases, you know, early November early to mid-November, they're making their decisions. It, you know, yeah, hopefully he can get on campus. You're right. If it goes, if October comes and goes and he hasn't been on campus, that's, that's when you get really concerned. So uh, I apologize if people took that as me saying, you know, there's no chance he doesn't care about IU anything. That was not my intention. Uh, it's just, it was just trying to reiterate the fact that actions always speak louder than words in recruiting because kids aren't going to badmouth schools. They always seem very glowing, lovely things about their visits. Like it's, it's really funny. I see people like will tweet out this kid took a visit. He really loved Indiana. It's like, yeah, he's going to say that about every single official visit he takes. It's not, it doesn't mean it's not true, but that's not where you plant your flag. You plant your flag on what people prioritize and stuff. So that's, that's that. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. And uh, thank you for all the nice comments. And on that Jen, we appreciate in the it. chat, who had your back in that thread. She did, I saw. <laughs> she had your back, which was awesome. Uh, Jen was in there just knocking heads together, which is great. That's true. Says, and, Has and he Eric, been, on a, and, been to IU on a junior year visit? Yes. Yes, he I, came, I don't, came no, last I don't year. remember for sure. If it, I think it was official, because at that time, there was still the rule that you could take two official visits. So yes, he can think, still take I another official. official. I, don't, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was. A lot of those were they should be able to take, an take two each year. I don't know now why you they can't. That. You can't take yeah. two to the same. You school. take one. Yeah, um, but you can do it your junior at, or senior year, and you can come unofficially as many times as you want. Yes. Um, but yeah, and and Jeff and and Eric from Hysterics were very complimentary, and we appreciate that, of course. And and of course, we would never 
do the things that some people accused us of in there. And I'm glad that they, they know that and had our back. So, yes. uh, that was fun. I, I learned about that very recently and it happened early in the week. I check the board sometimes, but I, I missed that. I can't, yeah, Anything that has my name attached, you. I do not want to read usually. So, uh, <laughs> just blame it on one of the other Ryan Phillips. There's lots of them out there. There are so. a lot of Ryan Phillipses <laughs> out there. If you, if you want just search that into Twitter, it, there's a lot of us and, uh, not they're not always as charming as i am so just uh, well warnings jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh boy some are much ryan's more being stupid be again yeah yeah and speaking of priorities see andy bottoms not here tonight why family i guess his family is more important Actions you guys you, you guys are eventually going to learn that families are wildly overrated like this this is not a life outside oh, of this, gosh. wildly overrated. Uh, speaking way, coach, of things that are overrated, I am going to have to step off for two minutes to do something for work because there's night football is on, but I will be back and I will be listening. So I will uh, join the discussion in a minute. Okay. Yeah. By the way, coach, shouts to your uh, Ion College basketball shirt. Is that a, is that an Ion College basketball? Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Supporting Gary and Matt over at the Ion College basketball. Very nice. Okay, let's hop in and start talking about the schedule. All right, let's go. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Gene. As always, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Ryan is here as well. Had to uh, step away for a moment, but he will be back. Coach, it is time to talk schedule. Um, we got the schedule. We don't know all the tip times and all that stuff yet, but we know the days of games, uh, when they are going to be. And so I wanted to roll through this, you know, as I was kind of going through it, it, it was kind of hard to figure out exactly how to classify these, but I classified it as good and bad. And those might not be exactly the right words to use because a tough stretch isn't necessarily bad. It's an opportunity to get, you know, some big wins, but it is perhaps a little bit more difficult than some other stretches. And my big takeaway from going through this, okay, two big takeaways, and then I want to get your big takeaways. One and we've talked about this before, but it was nice to be reminded of it. We've really raised the floor of the quote-unquote bad teams that we're playing in the non-conference. A whole lot of teams in the hundreds. I mean, even to start off the season, you know, we have two exhibition games, and then boom, we're facing 123rd-ranked Florida Gulf Coast. Now, should we beat them at home? Yes. Should we probably beat them comfortably at home? Yes. But if we play a B-minus game, that's probably going to be a 40-minute game. You know, and there are lots of other teams on here like that. Moorhead State, Kennesaw State, North Alabama. These are all teams, right state, that are in the hundreds. And I like playing games like that because, you know, again, if you play well, you should be winning relatively comfortably and getting everybody on the court. But you have to stay focused and play a good game. The other thing that I noticed is, and again, this could all change based on how good teams actually are. But it really feels like this is a schedule that is filled with, ooh, that's a tough three, four game stretch. Ah, here's a little bit of a breather. That's a tough three, four game stretch. Ah, here's a little bit of a breather. And 
I say all of those terms relative, you know, like it's the Big Ten. There aren't truly breathers. But to give you an example, you know, Indiana, when Big Ten play resumes in January, Indiana's first four games are at Nebraska versus Ohio State at home at Rutgers and home against Minnesota. Now, none of us are going to take a road game at Rutgers for granted, but in Dylan Burkhart's, you know, kind of table with all the preseason predictions, Rutgers comes in 10th. So that's a game where, you know, Indiana is predicted by a lot of people to be better than Rutgers. Obviously, we expect Indiana to be better than Nebraska and Minnesota and a home game at Ohio State, you know, who's probably going to be in the middle of the Big Ten pack. That should be a manageable three-game stretch where at a minimum you're going three and one. You know, if you're a team that wants to be a, you know, top four, five, six seed and finish in the top four of the Big Ten, you need to be going three and one in that stretch. Right after that stretch, home against Purdue at Wisconsin at Illinois. <laughs> so a much tougher stretch where obviously you got to play the, the preseason favorites at Illinois is always tough. And I don't need to tell you how difficult it is to play at Wisconsin. And so as I go through the schedule, I found a lot of those. And it'll be interesting to see once we actually play the games, you know, how that actually plays out. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And I, I've been trying to think about it, and I can't really decide if I like that for a young team or not, you know, because it, it does give you like a couple games that, you know, after like there's a stretch um, later in Big Ten play where after that January stretch, actually, Indiana gets to come home and play Iowa and Penn State. Then there's a tough February stretch followed by home games against Northwestern and Nebraska. And so you have to stay focused. You can't stub your toe in those games. But I do kind of wonder if having that little kind of time to regroup a bit and rebuild confidence might, you know, might be helpful for a young team. Um, but also you could flip that in the exact other direction and say, well, if you have, you know, three bad games against Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois, you know, do you hurt your confidence? So, you know, it's kind of one of those things you can argue both ways. But I did think it's kind of interesting how the schedule lays out like that. Yeah, uh, my, my big takeaway is I really like this schedule. Um, this is a schedule that um, is a schedule of a team that wants to be a top team in college basketball. Uh, it's not playing a bunch of 300 teams uh, in, in the non-schedule and, and not playing, you know, Auburn's a nice game. The, the UConn-Texas or UConn-Louisville, I know Louisville's down, but you're playing Power 5. Um, I went through that, and, and and I just think that it's a it's a good schedule. You could make the discussion young team or not, but Coach Woodson's not messing around. He didn't say, "Oh, I lost four players. Let's get some easy opponents, and then the Big Ten's going to be tough." Uh, so I want to protect a young team. He wants to win a Big Ten championship. He's going to get his team ready. I, I just love the schedule. I, I love the non conference schedule. Not only the big names that we all know, but the teams that you mentioned, the right states. Uh, those they're going to make any team young old experience inexperienced better if you are coming to indiana and you are a mbaco and you're aware then you should beat teams in the hundreds to 200s you don't have to play 350 schools to get to pad your schedule and i love that that's where indiana basketball needs to be this is a schedule that to me speaks Indiana basketball of old. When you go back, when you started, when you go back way back in the, the dark ages when I started, those non-conference schedules, if you go back and look, like basketball was different back then, but you're playing Kansas State and, you know, um, you know, and, and the national championship year in 81 is like, what, nine and five, nine and six at some point and, and yeah. turned it around. 
Um, that's to me, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I was, I was jacked for the schedule. We knew who they were playing, but I do think it flows well. I, I, you don't want seven tough games in a row followed by six. Cause you can get in one of those awful yeah. slumps just by playing good competition. You do have a chance to, to rebound. And then yeah. when I looked through, and, and that's probably more important for a younger team than a veteran team. And the, the home away balance, I think, is important too. And, and I didn't check all the all the time in between games, but I think we don't have that smash schedule because we moved the Big Ten tournament anymore. Where yep. your turnaround times, I think, it was relatively fair in that in a quick judgment. Uh, I just, I just, I'm excited. And then for me, it is: can you hold serve at home in the Big Ten? Can you get the 500? If you do, you're winning a Big Ten title. You're 15 and five in this conference. I think you have a chance. Um, and, and for this team to go 15 and five, that would be fantastic. I you're going to lose that. a game, maybe. <laughs> you're going to lose a game or two at home. It happens. Can you get to four or five? So if you go four and four wins on the road and eight at home, you're 12 and eight with a nine win. You got 21, 21 and 10 with this team. Uh, you're you have a chance. Last year we had what nine, ten losses and we're a four seed. Uh, you know, you beat, uh, you beat a Yukon or you beat a Texas or you beat something like that. Those things last. And from a bracketology standpoint, beating the right States, beating the army army's 300, I think, but yeah, they're um, the worst team on the schedule. Right. Uh, I don't know what Harvard was right off, off hand, maybe just over 200 something, but they have been okay in the past. 250. Harvard's um, 250. But you're talking about those being the worst, where we had 360s, 370s, 350s, and a lot of them, right, uh, in the past. Um, I'm going on and on. I apologize. I'll, I'll cut my thoughts. But I, I'm just excited about how it flows. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think there's some key road games, too. Like teams we should beat on the road, but they're always going to be tough. At Nebraska, at Rutgers, at Minnesota. That's going to be the key to this schedule is can you get those winnable games? Can you shock someone on the road that – you're you're an underdog against like what we did against Illinois last year, where everyone thought Illinois was going to win, and we just came in there and kicked their rear ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but the road, the look at the road games, everyone, and try to find four or five. If you can get four or five and hold serve at home for the most part, uh, Indiana will be in the top four or five of the Big Ten and position themselves well for the NCAA tournament. Yep, that's all well said, and I think you convinced me. Um, you know, I do think it's good in Big Ten play. You're right. There's not like a stretch, just like a murderer's row stretch of five straight really tough games. Like at most, there's basically three, and then you have a home game to get right. Now, you got to take care of business in that home game. Right. I would think for a young team, that's probably advantageous because it ensures that you don't go too long without something to help you rebuild your confidence. Like I'm not worried about Xavier Johnson's confidence or Trey Galloway's confidence. I do worry about Kalel or about, you know, McKenzie. We don't know these guys yet. You know, how are they going to handle that? And so I do think that's good. Here's the other thing that I will say, Coach, as we bring uh, Ryan back in here. You know, the other thing I will say is, you know, from an NCAA tournament perspective, a seeding perspective, the stretch in the non-conference schedule that that begins on November 19th with that UConn game is going to be really tough for a young team that's trying to find itself. And I will not be surprised if this team takes some losses in there. Um, as, as I think we've all said, and I think we all agree, this team really profiles as one that will be better down the stretch and should be able to improve throughout the season. How they do in those games, though, could potentially put a ceiling on their NCAA tournament 
um, seeding before you even get into Big Ten play if you drop too many of those. But if you win a few, as we saw last year with the win over you know Xavier, that really kind of anchored Indiana's NCAA tournament resume throughout the rest of the season. And so that stretch, as we look at it this year, on November 19th, you play UConn in the Empire Classic. If you win that, then you play the winner of Texas or Louisville. Obviously, if you lose, then you play the loser uh, of that game. Texas preseason number 12, Louisville preseason number 146. I certainly know who I'd rather play. Hopefully, Indiana gets games against UConn and Texas when they're out in New York, because that would be huge. Then they get the game against Harvard. Then the two Big Ten games. And whereas it's felt like Indiana has always had like a game against Nebraska in here, or a game against Northwestern at the beginning, not nope. so much this year. You've got Maryland at home and Michigan on the road. And, you know, again, Michigan is kind of one of those teams that they've been pre- predicted anywhere from 8th to ninth to 10th. But you're playing at Michigan, and they have a lot of talent. So that's not going to be easy. And then after those two games, you go to Atlanta and play Auburn and then home to play Kansas. I mean, that is a tough, tough stretch filled with NCAA tournament-quality teams for this young Hoosier squad. And so I think we've got to remind ourselves once we get there, you know, how difficult that is for this team and watch it with that perspective. I mean – There's enough talent here that we should be competitive in those games. Will we be ready to win those games yet? I don't know. But I am glad that we're going to be playing some tougher competition in the games leading up to it, like the aforementioned Florida Gulf Coast, the aforementioned Wright State, which will challenge us before we get to the even tougher teams and hopefully give us some experience of maybe winning a tough game late, you know, if if we're not able to blow those teams out. There's some value there. So I'm with you, Coach. Like, I really like the schedule. I think, again, there's some tough parts. There's some easier parts. But I think for a program that aspires to be what Indiana aspires to be, with the talent level that's on the roster, let's go. Like, we can win these games, but the guys are going to have to come together. The staff's going to have to do their work. The fans are going to have to be loud at home. But let's go. This is what we should be doing. Well, the Michigan States, the Kentuckys, the Dukes don't change their schedule when they bring in young talent. Uh, and if Indiana wants to be considered, you know, that blue blood like we deserve and are, then don't be afraid of the schedule. Get your team ready to play. I think it's realistic to say young teams could str- struggle early, but don't be fearful of that and pad nine games against 350 or above and say, yeah, we're. But anyway, that stretch, you go, you split them, and I think you're really good for the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. You split those six. Um, you have two at home. One's going to be really tough against Kansas, but you should beat Maryland at home. It's going to be tough. I like having Michigan with a lot of talent, but a lot of new players yeah, early, yeah. Uh, yeah. early on the road. I know we're facing it's the same kind images. of situation, though, yeah. but it gives you a chance before they get settled in. That, so that's a game you can steal with a young team because you're playing another young team on the yeah. road, which kind of uh, – but you split those. You go three and three. Now – Three and three with Louisville on there, not as good as three and three if you beat UConn first and play um, Texas. But they're they're those you know we got two wins last year, uh, and we lost the big ones. We lost to Arizona and, and Kansas and still got a four seed. Uh, you know, so the other two games that that we won, um, Xavier and uh, the ACC challenge, right, North Carolina, those those held held water and helped uh, propel. You know, uh, what uh, 11 or what do we have in the Big Ten? 11 and 9, 12 and 8. What were we? We were second uh, seeded. I, I forget how many games we ended up winning. It wasn't a big amount. 12, I believe. Right? Yeah. So, so, pretty sure. Yeah. So that that's the path. Like that that puts you back in that four to yeah, seven four seed range, which you're wearing white jerseys on the on the first round of the tournament. Um, I, I just love 
the confidence that Coach Woodson had in, in, in his comments about winning and winning titles, and then he scheduled that way too. Like, we're Indiana. We ain't, we ain't afraid of anyone. We're going to kick your ass. In a few I months, like we could be looking at this and being like, my God, they did it. They overdid it this year. Can we get a Tom Crean <laughs> schedule, please? Yeah, get please. Yeah. This On was the year thought, you needed it. Yeah. Dude, in retrospect, I was totally wrong. Yeah, Tom Dude, Crean wasn't all worst, bad. Those are the worst seasons to do a post-game show, too, when you're doing like the seventh straight game against a 300 team. And we had a couple of those schedules. This is going to be so much more fun yeah, just selfishly from a post-game show perspective. Yeah. Um, all right, Ryan, let's get your big-picture thoughts on the schedule, then we'll reveal the big news that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, you look at the way it lines up, you know, opening with uh, Maryland and Michigan in the Big Ten is, is as you said, something we're not used to. There's usually a, a Nebraska or a Northwestern or a Penn State or not that, you know, Northwestern or Penn State are bad, but it's usually a team you expect to beat. Um, and yeah, they should beat Maryland at home. But if they don't, you could see a reason why that happens. And then to go Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas, that's rough. That is that is really rough um and then but then they open the new year is it me or does it feel like we either open the season or open the new year against nebraska every time it or at least they're in the beginning stretch of yes. you never get nebraska mid-season it's it's always for the first time i mean um so going at nebraska too to to open in january and and you know that should be a win but it's still a road game in the big 10 so again you don't know um, and then Ohio State at home at Rutgers. I mean, Nebraska is going to have the best player on the floor in Casey Tominaga, according to apparently, the, the hall list of apparently, players. apparently, Jared. Just kidding. I love you, Alex. And by the way, listen to the latest podcast on the brink. Alex and Dylan clap back at the haters. They defend their list and also admit where they think they might have made mistakes. So, but you know, I with those guys. I like if I'm list. if I'm if I'm looking at this schedule, uh, the two toughest games to me. Are number one's Kansas. I think we all think that that's always a tough game. They got the be probably the best coach in college basketball, and they always have more talent than pretty much everybody they face, and usable talent as well. Wouldn't it be just absolutely great having what's his name back in the arena? Uh, the Michigan dude. Just call him what's what? his name. That's fine. Yeah, what's his name? It's blanked right now. Hunter, um, what's his name? Yeah, that dude. Um, Hunter Dickinson, thank you. Uh, but I think that and UConn are like the two, the games that just look like, Oh boy. Cause I think they play ways that at least from what we've seen, doesn't fit what Indiana's trying to do. I think it's just matchup wise of how they're going to play. Now UConn lost some guys, it's some top guys. So I don't know, you know what they're going to, we don't know what they're going to look like, but I really hey, like UConn is they, a team that ebbs and flows. I mean, all it's of the true. teams kind of ebb and flow. So it's really, but I really like them. the way they play. Yes. And you know they're very... but he's so calm on the sidelines. Yes, their coach. It's his best. It's extremely attribute. calm. It's his best attribute. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the two games you look at. We're like, all right, those are the, those are two toughest games on the schedule. Um, outside of you know, I guess. Well, so you... the other thing I would say is the last game of the season is home against Michigan State. I know. Which there could be a lot riding on that. Hopefully there's there a lot be. riding on that. You know, I think Michigan State has earned the trust to you think they're going to be one of the top two teams. You know, talent-wise, man-for-man talent-wise, Indiana can match up with Michigan State. Now, whether the That's whole usable becomes, talent or not, you know, the sum yeah. of the you know greater than the sum of the parts, we'll see. Um, but that is the other thing to like about this schedule is there is no trip to East Lansing, um, which not that we would fear that, but you know we'll take that. 
You know, last year, Indiana had about as tough of a Big Ten schedule as possible with double plays against every team that finished in the top five or six. Yep. And that won't quite be the case. Now, you still have to go to Purdue. You still have to go to Illinois. You still have to go to Wisconsin. So there's still a lot of tough road games. Uh, but I'm not uh, I'm not weeping about getting to skip the Breslin Center this year because that's going to be a really, really good Michigan State team. Uh, yep. So that'll be a fun game to end the season against the Spartans. Now, the only other bad thing about hey. the schedule – Oh, yeah, Coach, you want to make a statement? I really, I'm really looking forward to that Penn State game in Bloomington for, for a variety of reasons. I, just, I didn't say that in my discussion <laughs> of the schedule, but I think that is an outstanding game uh, on, on the schedule. I, yeah, I just big, wanted to make big sure. Big Mike Rhodes gonna, fan, are you, Coach? If, if you're going to get tickets to yeah. one game this year, folks, yeah, I, I, I just think that's a surprise game that no one's thinking about that is really so, going to be a big part of the IU success this year. And that is the point I was getting to, which is there are not many Saturday home games this season. Last year, there were like five of them. We had a we lot. Had to so pick. many to pick from this year. There aren't many. It was basically we can come in and schedule. And, and look, we didn't want to wait until the last minute either. So we wanted to schedule it early. So that game against Penn State, which is, I believe, on February 3rd, February right? 3rd. Friday is the second game is on the third. We'll be in town for that one. We'll be doing something somewhere probably a live show somewhere certainly a meetup and gathering all those details will come will come um but if you you know like to come for that weekend and gosh we sure love seeing you it is the highlight of the season for us um we will be there for the weekend of the Penn State game um which you know look February I have no idea what to expect from Penn State. They got a new coach. They got all new players. So who knows? Um, Ace Baldwin. Ace Baldwin. Yep. But better than be... Xavier Johnson, according to the top twenty-five list. Yeah. So just some just some details, folks. It's the weekend before the Super Bowl. You have no excuse for not being there, for not traveling for it. Come see us uh, that Saturday. Book your hotel rooms. Book them now. Uh, we will be out yeah. Friday night. Of Unless course, you have family obligations. Are. We know it's expensive. Hey, to travel, you know, don't so give them an out. Understanding. No, are... be there. Yeah, don't give them an out, Jared. Okay. No, uh, Josh. But yeah, as always, we go out Friday night. We'll see you guys all, and then we're going to do something on Saturday. I would assume some kind of live event, and yes, uh, we're going to do something. We'll have we we'll have details as soon as possible. We will not leave it like the last, like last year. We won't leave it to the end. Yep. But at least we know when when we're that's be the there. date. So. And you guys are all welcome to come join. That's right. It is going to be fun. Uh, I guess, yeah, really the only other thing to mention about the schedule is the end is a little tricky. You know, you at Penn State, then home against Wisconsin, at Maryland, at Minnesota, and home against Michigan State. So, you know, again, you project. We project to be better than Penn State, so that's one that you should win. But road games in the Big Ten are always tough. And at Maryland, at Minnesota, you know, same thing. Minnesota, I don't think, is expected to be really good this year. But, you know, last year it went down to the wire with Minnesota out there. So having three road games and then two home games against teams that are good enough to beat you, Wisconsin and Michigan State, you know, I think the team will be ready and prepared for that stretch. And Indiana teams have tended to finish seasons well uh, under Mike Woodson, um, at least through the first couple of seasons. But we'll have to see. And if Indiana's not ready by the end of uh, February and March, then they're going to take some lumps there um, during that stretch. Any final thoughts on the schedule, gentlemen, before we go answer some questions? No, no I, I just I think it's a good schedule overall, and, and it's out, and now we're excited. We have our date scheduled. Th those are all good things to to look forward to. Challenge um, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. 
Uh, well, that is it for segment two. Coming up on the assembly call, it is mailbag time. Lots of good questions from you all about recruiting and the schedule and other things, and we are going to answer those next. So stick with us here on the assembly call. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What'd you have to write about? Did something viral happen in the Thursday night? Really bad roughing the passer call uh, against the Giants that gave 49ers a first down. It was one of those, they penalized the guy for playing football. Um, like, I'm sorry, at this point, just make it two on touch on quarterbacks. It's it's insane. Leonard Williams came off a block and hit Brock Purdy, and, like, you know, he, he got rid of the ball, but it was bang, bang. It wasn't a late hit. But it's the, he landed on top of him. It's like, what is what is this, the Matrix? He's going to roll over sideways at full speed? Like, it's just, it's insane the way they drew. And the other thing, the thing they don't take into account is how guys are being blocked. So it's like, you're sometimes being blocked into a way that pushes you into the quarterback a little bit. And it's like, you can't change your direction at full speed, especially if you're being pushed into somebody. So yeah, I, I, the roughing the passer thing in the NFL, like for a long time, it was like, what is a catch? Now it's like, what, what is the defender supposed to do? Just kneel down and dive out of the way. I, I don't, makes no sense. Good point. Even Gene Steratore, impressed with that football analysis there. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. He's listening. (laughs) He said we'd talk soon, and we haven't heard from him. I know. Really not cool cool of Gene to ghost us. Uh, (laughs) Uh, How are we feeling about the Akron game, Coach? We going to do what is needed on Saturday night, wearing our spiffy black uniforms? You would have to ask. Yeah, Indiana wins. We've beaten this. I was impressed with games. the. I was impressed with the quarterback uh, for a young kid. I thought. I thought he responded pretty well in the second, second half. It's just there's there, every game we're already a quarter of the way in the season, and a lot of questions haven't been answered. Yeah. Um, which is just you know. I mean, I, I will say a, this: Walt Bell's play calling is absolutely atrocious. The fact that after a review and a timeout, they ran the play that they ran on fourth down and goal, that everybody in the stadium was knew that's exactly what Louisville's going to attack. Was Are so we stupid. sure Walt Bell's the one who deserves the blame for that play call? We sure he didn't get maybe vetoed by the man at the top? Just maybe, but he has shown nothing to prove that he's any good at his job. So... No, I mean that's the play. Right, you, and run, your point. you run the play. You run the play that everybody runs. You fake the handoff, no, roll out, and have a tight end slip behind. I everybody. certainly would have rather seen a different play. There's no uh, yeah. yeah, I would have too. Someone said that they scored on that earlier, 
and, and I didn't go back to watch to see, but you're absolutely right. There was a three-minute timeout. The ball was going to be at the two or the half-yard line. Get your plays. Why did you need to take a timeout? I think the biggest that travesty is you took another timeout you knew what to was make happen. sure. You have people in the booth. You know, like No, but the other thing yes. is you, you, the play you run is you have the tight end on the right, tight end on the left. You fake the handoff, boot out. You've got your athletic quarterback moving towards the goal line. If nobody's there, he walks in. If they step up, you then have two tight ends coming across wide open because nobody remembers to cover the tight ends. They've been running the same yep. play since the 70s, and it works every Why? damn time. Why are you wanted to run, spread them out, too. If, yeah. if running was the play, spread them out to get people out of the box. Spread them out, run an option. Um, you love the option the first week. Now you don't run it? Like I, It I, is. So, it just, so it was a tragedy. They ran I, that I put that a little bit in that in that small coach's corner, but we had ten men on, on the field on a third and fourteen that we had to take a timeout. In the first half, we had a late play call, which has been going on for about five years. Half the time, the defense in in Tom Allen's years, the defense is looking at the sidelines as the team's about to snap the ball because yep. they want to make sure they're overcoaching. They're, they're trying so hard, they're overcoaching. Like, it's sometimes the call is the call. If it gets screwed up, go on to the next one. But they, they're they overthinking everything, and next thing you know, the defense got a turn and they're out of position. Well, we had two timeouts in, two, in, three, in one play in between. One was because the play call didn't get in. The other because uh, the quarterback was looking for an audible from the sidelines, and it didn't get in. There's two timeouts. But then the one at the end, like, how long do you need to make a decision? At, at third goal, you know, third and goal or fourth and goal from the two or fourth and goal from the half foot line. You had three minutes while they were reviewing. Like, yeah. it just, it's just Dumped. mismanagement. The thing was just, just, yeah. I haven't gone to a game. I have season tickets. I've given them to my son. I'm going to sit at home and watch Notre Dame and Ohio State on my main TV. I'll have Indiana on my second TV and two other games on my third and fourth TV with a beer and some brats and not without having to be and I don't have to be live for black uniforms. So I want Indiana football to do well. I cheer for them. I wear Indiana when they're playing. But my days of eight-hour tailgates and absolute love and devotion aren't going to be back until things change, and and that's going to happen even if we get six wins this year. So I don't mean to be mean-spirited. I like to support coaches. I don't like to be negative. But it, I'm done a lot. for a while. You be, yeah, you got to be better. Yeah. Hey. USC is playing uh, Arizona State this weekend. You just watch that with me, Coach. Yeah, it's at 10 o'clock. I got that on my schedule. There you go. I'm so sick, guys. Like, this is how bad I am. Today, during my prep period, I scheduled out which game was going to be on which TV every <laughs> single time That doesn't time sound period. like sick. That sounds like you're a go-getter who likes to plan ahead. So, <laughs> I, can, I, I, don't, I don't have it with me uh, down here, but, but here is last week's schedule, both college and NFL. Jeez. Hey, you have a hobby big that you really into, small, right? Nothing wrong with this, Coach, at all. I'm on with. I'm on so board. I do have the 10, 30, 10 o'clock slot. I get the Pac-12 network now too for this last year. It's gonna be on, on Fox, Fubo. So this, so Coach, yeah. this is oh, what okay. happens. This is what happens when your kids grow up and take care of themselves. You have time to make TV <laughs> schedules for your TVs. I'm just trying to absolutely, fathom, man. Saturday is not for the boys. Saturday <laughs> is just for this boy. <laughs> I got. I got. Two packages of Italian sausage, grill up, watch game day on the back porch, tailgate in my backyard, got the beer fridge full down here, got a recliner, got three remotes, 
All right. And Amy's All around right, to keep everything. Amy's around to keep everything in moderation, yeah. right? Yeah. No. Yeah, watch watch you some Caleb me. Williams this weekend, coach. It'll restore your faith in humanity. No, uh, I have a question for you guys because this is a big topic we're talking about while we're you know not in the question segment yet. Um, what do you think of the Dion stuff? Love it. Like the Coach Prime stuff. Love you, it. You love it? In what, what well, way do you love it? I will it? say this. Like, he I'm wondering, is, your full thoughts. Like, he's coming into college football at the perfect time. I would you agree You know, if that. he came in three or four years ago, it wouldn't work as well. You know, I mean, coming in and just being completely honest with what he was going to do. He was getting rid of the guys who were there that went 111. He was bringing in his own guys. That. Well, but at I'll, least he was honest. Go ahead. At least he was yeah. honest about it. Um, and this is, you know, kind of the new way that it's going to go. I The reason why I like it... Um, you know, in addition to just they're exciting, I think his kid is a really good quarterback. Travis Hunter is a phenomenal player, so they're fun to yeah. watch. Sad I think out. when you get past a lot of Dion's bluster, he's just an old school coach, you know? And, you know, he hires good coordinators and he lets those guys do their jobs. And, you know, I think he's, you know, he holds guys accountable. I think he does, you know, he had a, a great statement that he was talking about with one of his players, a uh, horn or somebody who was, you know, really struggling. He was talking about how we talked to him in the middle of the game, you know, about, Hey, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to make your dad proud. Your dad's watching this game, you know, and he goes and catches the winning touchdown. And so I think, you know, Dion understands how to play the media game. Obviously he knows how to get attention for himself, but he also knows how to keep the pressure off his players, which is very much a Bob Knight thing to do. Let me be the attention in the media. And then you guys can just go do your thing. You know, and so I just I think he's brought and I see it firsthand because my dad and my mom, they met at CU and now they're like wearing their Colorado stuff proudly. And, you know, so, I mean, he's I have re- family went to Colorado, too. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's reinvigorated, you know, a proud, you know, program that has really fallen on hard times. And I think he's, you know, look, this is this is how college sports are now. Um, and I, so I think he's yeah. been upfront and honest and I just, I think he's added, a, it's a fun story, but I also think if you don't get past the bluster, you don't really see what he's doing as a coach. Yes. And I think as I a coach, right. there's a lot of old school principles there that a lot of Indiana fans would really appreciate, actually. Okay. I'm going to, I'll say it, I'll, I'll throw this to you because I know which way you're going with, with this. Uh, I do think that he does things right. When he was on um, TV the other day, and the commentator said, look what you have done for Colorado. He immediately turned his head to him and said, "We look what we have done. We have a great staff. That's that old were coaching that. stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I agree and he that. said, we, And he goes, we have a great support staff. Right? And then, you know, what he followed up this week when there were death threats for the kid who hit Hunter. And he said, we don't need that. The kid yep. played hard. He He's a great player. Yep. He, he didn't deserve that. He made it. So there is the show that a lot – and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't like to pop the collar stuff, but I've gotten beyond that as Jared – uh, so well you, you put that so well i've gotten beyond that because he's just a true coach like he, me, he knows what he's doing he's not messing around but the thing that you're going to talk about which was tough is he just cleaned house and that was uh, inherently unfair just, to those kids not to have a chance to 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 come to colorado stay at colorado and play they were just told to get the heck out yeah. um I've but, got, so, I've got a so i think that's where you're going to go with that but i think he's an old time coach with the new time flair and i love it so let me just say this. I think the way he handles his players and the way he deals with his players is amazing. And I think I love that. I really do. And I do think he's a good coach. 
you're talking about the persona, Jared. And I think the only problem I have is a lot of times he lets the persona bleed into everything else. And that's, it's, 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 it's individual times and it's some things, but the reason why he said what he said to those kids when he walked into that room and told them, basically, you all need to get in the transfer portal and get out of here was because there was a camera on him. He could have handled that quietly in, in personal Correct. meetings with them. He could have gone through spring practice with an enormous roster and then told guys, okay, you don't make the cut. You don't make the cut. You don't make the cut. The way he said was he said, I got my luggage coming and it's good. And it's Louie. <laughs> he didn't, you know, the only reason he did that was because there was a camera following him around. And we all know that's true. And it was, sure. a, it was a crappy true. way to do it to those kids. Many of whom, were from the area and had always dreamed of playing at Colorado. So that's a terrible way to find out. I don't get to live out my dream because this guy is throwing me off the team, essentially. You handle that, I think, away from cameras. You come and give an inspirational speech in front of the cameras, fine. And then you handle that privately. Um, so that, I agree. that very much irked me because it was all about his brand. He didn't, he didn't care about these kids in front of him. He cared about the kids he brought in, and he really does care about his team team, but that bothered me. The other thing I have an issue with, and it's just one thing, is he's leaving Colorado within two years, maybe, and he's going to another school. And and he he has not made that, behind the scenes, he has not made that, you know, uh, 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 quiet behind the scenes he's going to the next big school that plucks him he would love to be at florida state obviously that's his alma mater he's not going to go to the nfl there's a lot of people speculating on the nfl that he wants the cowboys job he he loves coaching kids and i think he's great with the kids i really do think he's great with the kids i think his son is a phenomenal quarterback who will probably i mean realistically probably be about the fourth quarterback taken this year did you see um, Dion's statements when they were talking about him going pro he's like he's not going pro he's not leaving me he can't go. yeah yeah no <laughs> and then funny. and then he's also said in other times like well if he's gonna be a first round pick i'm shoving him out the door but yeah. which is the right thing to do but there's this is but this is in, in another year he might be the second quarterback taken. It's just a really good quarterback class this year. Mm -hmm. um, I do think Colorado is going to have a bit of a rude awakening when they face teams with equal level of talent because they are kind of thin. Sure, but they were never supposed to win big this no, year. Anyway. No, they weren't. That's the thing. They weren't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not knocking him from that. I'm saying that people should be accepting yes. when they do lose a game because it's so many transfers. They're really thin on the lines. He hasn't recruited there yet, really. Um, but no, I, I, I think it's a great story for college football. I actually like the way he's interacting with those kids. I really like to see it. It is all about the kids for him. I just think that he can't get away from his persona sometimes. And he does things that are like, hey, dude, dial it back. You have and when does that wear out responsible for, you know, when, when does all that media presence and all that just wear off on, on the program and get a little bit old? I think that yes. has a shorter shelf life. Than some of the old traditional because soon coaches. they'll be the new I think that's fair too. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, he doesn't talk smack about others, but he does no, know he the does cameras a great are job. on. He and does then a he says it's job. personal. He knows the yeah. cameras are watching, but he also knows that's a game to get recruits. It is, you know, and um, that's fine. And, and no. he plays and, that. And all the all the playing right? the game, going on sixty minutes, and then like the things he says in individual interviews that are like crazy. Like the other day, he said, "I'm not a moment. I'm a monument." It's like okay, but like you know, it's clearly to get attention, and that's totally fine. Get attention, get eyes on your program. That only helps your players get donations, get all those things. Totally fine with that. I, I'm 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 never gonna gonna be okay with the way he treated the former team. Now. That's fair because because he basically embarrassed them publicly, and that's not cool to a lot of kids who are getting their dreams broken. Um, 
So that that's the only thing that has really been really bad for me as that goes. But I, I honestly, I love watching him on the sideline. I love watching him deal with the players. I think he's handled himself very well in press conferences, and I think he's handled the players very well. And that's all that really matters in the end. Yeah, and even when he does inevitably leave, and assuming things continue to go how they are, he will leave. Yeah, you know he's leaving Colorado football in such a, bet, a better, much position. better place. I mean, that job is now although be so much more attractive. You could say that about Jackson State, but he raided the place, and now Jackson State is horrible. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it took all the players. They got blown out. They've been blown out like their first three games this year. So I mean, that's probably gonna happen to Colorado too. I mean, those kids are gonna go with him wherever he goes. Um, but yeah, at least, Colorado at least the, the program be will be elevated and build yes. an NIL infrastructure around that. Yes, and I mean. Just get someone competent in there. It's not that hard to recruit to no. Boulder, Colorado, dude. It's like, not. It's a great spot. It's, it's a great spot. I've, I've kind of been bummed that it's been so down lately. Because yeah. that that when I was growing, when we were growing up, that was a great program. A guy from my high school won the Heisman Trophy there. Rashawn Salam won the Heisman Trophy there. Yeah. Went to my high Darian, school. I used to wear my dad's old blue bonnet jersey. He had an old uh, Colorado number three jersey, so I'd wear it because it was the same number as Darian Hagan when they oh, won nice. the national title. So, well, no, it was. It, I mean, that one team they had Cordell Stewart, uh, Rashawn Salam, Michael Westbrook. Bryant Westbrook. Uh, yeah. Then they had like uh, Christian Fourier was their tight end. I mean, it was like a, a it was an NFL roster on both sides. Yes. I think they came up. They they wound up missing the national title game by one game because they lost to Nebraska. Yeah, but, um, but no, it's great. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy that they're better. Uh, again, I have family who went to Colorado. They're all like on cloud nine right now. I can imagine your parents are as well. Yeah. And it's a nice story after just having to talk so much about freaking realignment. It's just been a fun story. And of course, Colorado has been part of the real. Yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> of course. All uh, right. Um, all right. Let's get to questions. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. Uh, welcome back to the Assembly Call, our final segment. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And, guys, it is time for our mailbag. All of these questions this week submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. You can learn more at assemblycall.com slash community. When you join, not only do you get IU Film Room, Tony Adrani's IU Film Room uh, included, you also get Coach Tonsoni's Coach's Corner, uh, and you get all the other special content that we do. We'll start doing some more happy hours as basketball season uh, gets a little bit closer, and just all the other daily discussions that are in there. So we'd love to have you join us. Again, it's assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, Okay, let's hit some of these questions from Andrew. Does the schedule release change your perspective of where you had thought the floor and ceiling of this team was, or is it essentially a push? Coach? Yeah, I I haven't really studied it enough to be firm on this, but I feel better. I I don't know, maybe it's just me liking the schedule, the way the games flow. Um, I do think there's a path to 12 or more Big Ten wins, which is equal to what they did last year. Uh, So... I think I'm a little more optimistic after the schedule come out, uh, which I don't know, make, doesn't even make sense to me, though, because I knew everyone who they were going to play. <laughs> but just the way it, you know, so um, why wasn't I more optimistic before? Um, but I do see a path with some key road games against teams we are better than, 
You have to win those. Um, and we have them on a schedule this year. As you said, we don't play all the top five or six doubles uh, this year. We, we have a little bit of schedule break. Uh, that's going to be key. So, yeah, I, I do feel slightly more optimistic. I still I, I still think a, a second weekend is a, a great, you know, uh, place for Indiana basketball to be. And I think four to seven in the Big Ten. And I, I still think, you know, uh, I, I'm now starting to think four to seven, four to eight as a seed in the NCAA tournament is is, pro, is, is doable if things fall Indiana's way. Yeah, I mean, I'm essentially the same. Yeah, I'm I'm push because we knew who they were playing. It's just yeah. not the right. order. now. Now I think that you know if you had a murderer's row of like four straight road games or something like that, which they don't really do, I think that might change the calculus. But we knew who they were playing. Uh, yeah. So. Yep. Uh, okay, from Jim. What if anything are you hearing about uh, Trace Jackson Davis's prospects with the Warriors? The Athletic reported this week that Golden State is talking to Dwight Howard, and they're also considering other veteran centers. The Warriors' lack of size is well-known and has been an issue. Trace doesn't help in that area. Uh, so I asked good friend of uh, the show, Damon Bruce, uh, who's out there, has his new show, uh, kind of what the thoughts are. Um, he said, you know, they are looking at Dwight. They are looking at guys. It makes sense for them to shore it up. The big key, as he said when they drafted Trace and said now, he's got to earn the trust of Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steve Kerr has not been a guy who has wanted to play young guys. Now, Trace is not... Um, like Kaminga, you know, where he, you know, basically didn't play, you know, any college basketball. Trace has a lot of experience, so he should be more mature. Um, and I think even in just his summer league games, he showed that the actions Golden State is going to ask him to do, he can do. Um, now, once you get up against NBA level guys, you know, that, that can be a little bit different. Um, but he's comfortable making those moves on a basketball court. And we saw a lot of them last year. So the key is just going to be, can he earn that trust? You know, how ready is he? Um, you know, to basically focus on being a screener, a passer, a rim protector, a rebounder, rim runner, that go do that dirty work, run the floor. Um, so am I going to be shocked if he ends up getting some G league minutes this year? No. Um, but you know, I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for him to carve out a role and maybe it's not like some this year. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't end up being like in their eight man rotation come the end of the year. That just doesn't happen very much for golden state. Um, but I think he's in as good a position to earn Steve Kerr's trust as any young guy they've had because of his experience and the particular skills he has that really fit what they ask their big men to do. So other than that, we'll just have to see how it plays out. And obviously injuries can change that too with either Draymond or Kavon Looney um, because you know that's where they would then need a little bit more from Trace earlier on. Ryan, do you have any other insight on TJD? No, I mean, it's the same thing. It's as a rookie, you have to prove yourself specifically on an organization that's going to be trying to compete for a championship, you know? And so it was always going to be an uphill climb to get minutes right away. Um, but they also signed him for a couple of years, you know? So it's, it's not just about this year though. I think he'll be on the roster, but you know, if he goes up and down, don't panic. Like it's a, it's part of the, part of the deal is that you're going to go up and down as a rookie sometimes, especially when you're not a top 10 pick. So uh, not shocked by that. And, and just because they bring in a, a training camp body doesn't mean the training camp body is going to be there the full season either. And Jalen will almost surely start in the G league. Don't you think? Yeah. The depth that the Lakers have now. Yes. I would think that would be, 
highly expected. Jalen's a future piece for them. He's not a, a now piece. And I, maybe by the end of the year, he's in, you know, the, the, the second unit rotation or something, but they're setting things up for the long term there. They just signed Jared Vanderbilt to a, a four year low money extension. They've got some other guys they signed, you know, Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. They locked up long term. So they've, they've got plans for longer term that aren't just based around uh, Anthony Davis. They extended, but they aren't just based around LeBron James because we don't know how much longer he's going to play. I would say for the last couple of years, it was all based in one or two year increments based on that. And now they've kind of extended some plans so that they have some guys in place as that goes forward. And I would assume Jalen is going to be right at the heart of that. All right, coach, we're throwing this one to you. This is from Kyle. If you could hire an airplane pulling a banner to fly over Memorial Stadium during IU's next home football game, what message would you have displayed on that banner? You have 10 words or less. Remember, it doesn't have to be about football. You could, you know, say, you know, thanks, Amy, for however many years of wedded bliss. Like, there's lots of directions you could go. Or you could yell at Tom Allen through your airplane. All right, 10 words. Get ready for basketball season. Tune in to the assembly call. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Ryan, what would your message be? Well, he took mine, so clearly I'm that clever, and I would have come up with that. No, uh, it would be um, invest this money in basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kill the football program, take all that cash. and No, uh, I, 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 no, I would say... It's got to be something like, you know, change is needed, man. I mean, like this can't go on like this forever. And Indiana's thing needs to be to try and instead of trying to find the, the coach for the next 50 years, they need to find the next up and coming guy who's going to spend a couple years at Indiana and then move on. They missed out on a guy like Galen DeBoer. Nah, Dion. Dion's not coming. D- Dion's no. not coming to Indiana. Uh, I would expect him to go to somewhere in Florida. There was a super Texas. slight chance if you were the one to give him his, his chance, like Colorado did, you might get him for a couple years. But Yeah, and I would say. bet he's there a max of two years at Colorado. I would think that, that that'll be – he'll be there two years. That's That would be my over-under would set it at, like, two. Yeah. Mm. So, um, because, I mean, let, let's be real. It's a great program, but Dion has bigger aspirations than Colorado. So – you know what I might do with my banner since it's um, especially since it was be the next home game. So this would be this one. I would say early congratulations to Crimson cast on a thousand episodes since they do football. They're at episode 991. They are the godfathers, the OG of IU sports podcasting. They're so close to a thousand, which is a that's a really, really meaningful milestone. That's like, a lot of Scott talking. That's a lot of Scott talking. We're getting close ourselves. Where but are we now? Get, what is that? What number is this? I missed it in the intro. Uh, 966. So they're going to get there because they've just been firing them off. And now they got crimson cash that they count in their episode count, which, you know, that's fine. We'll allow it. But anyway, they're at 991. So we love those guys. Congratulations to them. Uh, I'm sure they'll do something fun for the thousandth episode. So that's what I would do. And early congratulations to Galen and Scott on a thousand episodes. They should have it. They should have a, a, uh, like an episode where all their old friends show up and say congratulations. It would take the entire time. Scott doesn't talk. It's a win for everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, okay, Jerry says, how likely are we to get even one of the Florida kids that just visited? I would rate that as very likely. 
is what I, I would say. The over under is yeah. one and a half. Yep. 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 Yeah. So very likely to get at least one. I think the real question is, can we get more than one? Because um, you do that, and you're starting to position yourself to have a really, really good recruiting class. Yeah. Bo says, is any part of the AC team going to New York City for the Empire Classic? If so, is there a meetup in the works? I am not planning on it. It's just too close to Thanksgiving and our wedding anniversary and all What's that What's the stuff. date? The 19th and 20th. Of 19th and 20th. Okay, that's what I thought. It's a Sunday and a Monday, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I will be in we, lovely Palm Springs. As we considered it, um, but we only have two days of school that week, Monday and Tuesday, so we would be um, – out for that that week uh with our students i think we're we're gonna pass but we really were uh, amy and i were considering that well it's not vegas and vegas will draw you out new york won't that's the vegas was better timing it was <laughs> yeah. over a weekend and i'd like to welcome fred who said wow did not know the show was on thought it was only on during basketball season good to see familiar faces yep we are here yeah fred we, we are every we thursday fred season when we we push the rock up the hill every week during the off season. <laughs> <laughs> not, not always a lot to talk about. And there are some episodes yes. where I'm thinking, please, if you're still listening, email us and let us know why. Um, but yeah, no, Fred, we always do the off season <laughs> shows once a week. Because it's fun. Cause it's more about friends getting it together is. and chatting yes. and hanging out than whatever, yes. you know, pointless topic we're discussing. Yeah. Um, okay. But yes, welcome Fred. It's great to see you. Uh, we're just excited to be here. We just like hanging out and talking IU sports. Maybe not as much football right now, based on how that went. Is that a sport? Ago. Is that a thing? Is that a thing that you Indiana know, does? Let's just hope. Let's hope. Look, okay, I'm going to say something positive. Like, I agree with everything that you guys said. Yeah. All I'm going to say is, and part of this is because my expectations were so low before the season, but I'm actually a little more pleased than I thought I was going to be. It seems like we found a quarterback at least someone to, good enough to build around and give a real chance. The defense has some dudes. You know, they obviously it was unconscionable to play so bad in the first half against Louisville, but it does show something that they came back and had a chance to win. But in year seven, we should be able to get over these humps. We shouldn't be talking about the same humps and the same problems. So I'm fully with you guys. Um, but I do think there are some individual players to get excited about more so than I thought heading into the season. My so. My issue is it feels like every year it feels like it's the first year of a coach's tenure where things are still getting figured out and they're not all on the same page or whatever. And it's like, this is like year, what, five, like seven. So it's seven. My God, it's been that long. Um, but it does feel, I guess the COVID and the COVID years and all that. Yeah. Here's the USC fan swooping in to comment on IU football. I watch IU most weekends. I don't watch every weekend because I know it's just pointless, but I, uh, I do watch most weekends. Like I watched the second half against Louisville and our text has been very quiet during IU football games so far this season for good reason. Uh, I got Jared, I, you make a good point, really, though. There, wait, there are some on. talented players. Yes, there are yes. some talented players. It does seem like there, there is some a glimmer of hope, uh, and, and some of the teams in the league are, are falling apart, especially Michigan State and some other yep. things, which makes the games. So there's still that glimmer of hope, um, but it there, there's just been too long, and yeah. I just yeah, I'm I, rooting I, for it. I'm not rooting against this team. I don't want to see anyone fired necessarily. I'm not going to be on here yelling that, but it's just the same old things have happened in a seven year, ten year that keep you from doubting the talent that has been accumulated. Uh, yeah, and, and 
and it, it's it's um, it, for a guy who's had season tickets for 34 years, this is the lowest I've felt in those 34 years. Um, again, this is game four in Indiana, and I'm not I haven't been to one. And, and yeah. again, I don't want to I don't want to tell anyone how to think or or not be excited about black jerseys or whatever else. If you are great, we need that. We need the rock field. Um, I, I'm just at a point where all that energy, uh, it's just my bubble has been burst with the, the overuse of the LEO stuff and, and, and the, the, the wins in the last few years and the mismanagement and, and that, uh, and I hope I'm proven wrong, um, because I think the kids work hard and I know the coaches staff wants to do well. Uh, but it, it's just been seven years of, uh, uh, of not what, what, what I came to love under Mallory, um, and, and, and um, that's attention to detail. Yeah. That's what those Mallory teams did. That's what these teams, unfortunately, don't. You have to at a school like IU. Okay, enough football. And they ran the football. Boy, Anthony boy, Thompson, Vaughn Dunbar, Dunbar, Jermaine Cheney, Brett Alex Law, Smith, Jermaine so Cheney, Alex These names Smith. ringing a bell for you, Ryan? You know uh, Anthony yes, Thompson. Some, some of them, yes. <laughs> I, of course, Dave Schnell, Dave Cramey. Should we start going through the receivers? Because man, there were some good ones. Ernie Jones. Ross Hales. <laughs> Ross Hales. Okay, yeah. some of the you're, you're past me now. It's... <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't grow up. I mean, you know, it, you don't really f- like Indiana football. Does not rate out here. Uh, I don't know if that's shocking to you. Like it was really funny when I was doing no, my weekend yeah. radio show, The I'm Hangover. Not here. At all. When I when I was doing the The Hangover out here, my Saturday radio show with my two co-hosts, I always be like, "Hey, can we put it on Big Ten Network? Indiana's playing." And b- both of my co-hosts very earnestly looked at me and said, "Indiana has a football team." <laughs> <laughs> And I think they knew, but they didn't know, you know, it's like, yeah. It's have that. you ever heard of Antoine Randall? Yeah. That was years ago. We didn't know it still existed. You know, like you coastal so. elites. Yep. We are. We're, that is exactly what we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. A couple more. Okay. James wants to hear our breakdown of Gucci Mane versus G Herbo. Who's the better lyricist. Who's the better song producer spend some time highlighting each of their overall societal and cultural impacts, particularly as it relates to giving I gotta go. You guys enjoy this. (laughs) Uh, Does anybody have anything more than what I said at the beginning of the show? No. No. Rewind it and let it go. That's Rewind (laughs) it and listen to Jared. It's it's kind of out of my wheelhouse. wheelhouse. Yeah. No, I've heard his songs and stuff. I don't don't know enough to compare him to another artist, though. Come on now. I like Lemonade. Gucci Mane is more famous. Like, this is a step up. Way more famous. I have to assume it was also a big step up in cost. Like, I don't really want to know how much this costs, but it's very significant. There's no question about it. Um, It's the kind of thing you have to do, though. It's the kind of thing you have to do, and it's going to make waves, and hopefully it brings a lot of people. So, but yes, he is, you know, he is famous. Um, so, you know, who knows next year, maybe Taylor Swift is playing Hoosier hysteria. And Jay would be there. That's for sure. Yeah. That's um, for sure. all right. From Valerie, every year we hear how, uh, how, how, how are the pieces going to fall into play yet? Every, every year, Kentucky starts with an all new five man, all-star lineup and no one questions how well they will fit together. That may have been true a couple of years ago. I think yeah, no, that's a pretty big now. question now, actually. Uh, she said, yeah. they get rated in the preseason top 10 consistently, no questions asked. What's the difference, especially given Kentucky's extremely mediocre play lately? With the BBN calling for Calipari's head. Okay, so she's acknowledging this. 
How does he get the recruits? But mostly, why are we scrutinized for a new lineup when schools like Kentucky are not? Here's Ryan, the reason. Do you want to take this one? Their entire program is built around integrating those players, and they've been doing it for years. That's why. Yep. Track, they all, track a track record for basically, what, like 15 years of that yeah. Calipari's had? Same 20, with Duke. Yeah, 20 years for Calipari doing that at different schools. Like uh, it's, it's because they've seen them do that repeatedly. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. It did not work last year. And um, and Duke, it doesn't always work. Last year, Duke did not start playing well right. in the, to their level. So the very end of the season, then they were like a dark horse Final Four candidate because of how well they played at the end of the year. But it just they ran out of time, essentially. I think to continue to get better. Um, and then but, didn't Tennessee manhandle them in the yes, in yeah. The but it was it was the kind of thing where people were saying if this team plays the way it's been playing, and they were right because the talent, you know, <laughs> way better than most of the teams that are playing. Um, but yeah, it's because it's because Kentucky's done it for years and figured it out and Indiana has not and, and doesn't have a track record of doing that. So that's why. And, and it, again, we've always said that preseason rankings are just are worthless. They're essentially worthless uh, unless the team returns everybody. You can kind of project where they're going to be. But even that doesn't always work. I mean, you know, it, it's. Guys get full of themselves when they think they're going to be really good the next year and don't play well coming out. So it's all of that stuff you need to take with a grain of salt. So Kentucky, by reputation, gets ranked highly. Duke, by reputation, will be ranked highly regardless of what their offseason looks like. Um, the, so, yeah, it's the just track, track record, record, Ryan. The track record also is a lot of those guys have ended up going to the pros. Not everyone has gone to the pros. Yeah, like there have been some really good classes of, of five guys like we have one guy in Mbako, and we have a guy who was good, but there's questions about whether he's going to be that top 10 and where, and, and we don't have that collection. Like when you have five or six guys that are in the top five to top 20 coming in at one time, I, I think the, 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 you know, analysts see that. And then a lot of, I mean, you look at how many Kentucky alums are playing in the NBA, significant roles yes. in the NBA that went through that. Right. So that's part of that track record too. And right now Indiana has two, that are top 10 players. And one is coming in with a lot of question marks. So that's, yep. that's the difference. Yes, of course. Well said. All right. Last question from Jeff. What past team would best fit the style of play of today? Today's style of play the best for me. It's 1992. This is Jeff, not me, although I probably will answer it this way too. You had bigs like uh, Eric Anderson, and Alan Henderson that had range and post moves with shooters like the Grams, Bailey and Leary who could shoot and penetrate not to mention do every not to mention do everything Cheney. So what do you think coach what past Indiana team would be able to take advantage of today's style of play? Certainly the 92 and 93 teams put those teams any era of basketball and they're going to be successful because those teams just could do so many different things well. Um, but to his point they had good shooting which certainly helps. It, it, it's a difficult ask because it's so much now a dribble drive in a, in a, a ball screen game. And so you got to go back and think, did, did the 87 team, would they be able to do that? Or that motion offense was good for Keith Smart and, and, and those guys, right? Um, and, and Alford. So you, you have to look at a real athletic team uh, and a team with some really good ball handlers. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to go through the process and think what would Isaiah do in the in in that he did well in the in a in a spread and a, and a dribble heavy NBA. Um, so so maybe that team, if you really want to go back with Tolbert uh, in the middle, uh, being an athletic and a rim runner, uh, and, and you could run some screen and rolls and alley oops 
uh, with him, and you had shooters on the perimeter there. Uh, I think some of Tom Crean, as much as I know we we, we have a love-hate relationship with team. Tom Crean, but the 2016 team They're like five with years Yogi and Bryant, um, and, and Tom Crean had some offensive teams. Like, he knew offense. Like, you're going to score some points. You might not guard anybody. Uh, but you, I think that those teams, um, is where you would look at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, you go to the teams that had really good guards. I mean, Isaiah is going to fit in any era of basketball. Same thing with, you know, I think if you have a team built around Damon and Greg Graham, and then you got a guy like Chaney and Biggs who can step out and shoot, those teams would be really good, man. That 2016 team. I mean, God, that team was so good when they were really firing on all cylinders yeah. and had all those shooters plus Thomas Bryant who could space the floor and keep the lane, you know, open. I even like yeah. Burton would come off the bench and nail threes. Like, I mean, it was all up and down the lineup, the guys who could hit threes. I mean, it was, yeah. it was crazy. And they spread the floor so well. Size loft. Yeah. Bryant spacing was threes. huge. Yeah. That was spacing all spacing, was, all yes. spacing. Yeah. So yep. yeah, I what think it's going on there. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I heard some noise background that was your voice coach you gotta, <laughs> you gotta I'm in my no, ear was uh, going nuts no uh but yeah that's the team i would point to was that team just absolutely could shoot the lights out and uh they all could across the board i mean you know i think troy was the only one who wasn't a consistent three-point shooter really and even he hit some that year so yeah. all right here's a question for you coach the 2002 team would that team do better today or in the era that they played in with Coverdale and Hornsby and Fife and Moye, guys who could step out and shoot. You had Jared Jeffries, they, a versatile they, big man. Yeah, they ran an interesting high-low action uh, based on where the ball was. They would enter in the wing and inside cut to the corner, and then they'd bring a, a the the four the up big. high. Yeah. And if the ball was reversed to the corner, they ran some screen and roll because I actually uh, studied uh, that offense and implemented it. Uh, at Northfield uh, in in the t- a 2003 year, um, so that was based on spacing. But they didn't have a dynamic uh, dribbler, right? Um, yeah, they didn't have so a great based- guy. Yeah, it was based on spacing and going high low and, and getting the ball inside when they can, or kicking it out to to shooters. Um, so I yeah, don't it- know if that team would be in this dribble drive heavy isolation yeah. uh, type of style because they would run pick and uh, roll, so think, but it didn't yeah. it didn't feel like. The, the ball handler was ever going to go downhill. It felt like it was no, just a movement device. No, it was device. To, um, to attack the defense or get yes. the guy on the roll into a post mm-hmm. position. A switch. Um, yeah. yeah, or get the, the defense to, to switch. Yeah, overhelp. They did a lot of corner pick and rolls, if I yep. remember right. They did. Um, baseline. Uh, the ball would enter the corner, and then they, they'd pick and roll off the baseline, so then your help has to come big over, man, and then you would kick. Would roll. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that in today's world they would. Uh, they, honestly, like what they, what yeah. what that team needed was Bracy Wright a year early. They needed yeah. a guy who could get to the rack, off the dribble, at the top, yeah. and I think they would have won the national title if they well, just had one. Unfortunately, help was only on the way, Ryan. It wasn't here. So I know. We had to wait. I know. We had to wait. Yeah, um, and been. then I had to watch Bracy for several years. <laughs> it was tough. Felt bad it for was, him. That was that was a tough a tough yeah. era of. Um, yeah, so I would say I, I think I think that's that's interesting, Coach, because it, you know I noticed that some of the things that they ran, and this is what like four years after I was in high school, so I remembered all of my high school plays. I remember some of them now, but not all of them. And we ran some similar stuff to that yeah. in the way they would, you know, the the second big man chase the first, 
uh, you know, up to the top and, and go that high, low action, either take the shot drive or, you know, go big to big over the top. So, um, that, but they ran that action a lot and it was, it was yes. impressive how well they ran it. And they had a bunch of big guys who could do things, you know, they had Jeffries and Newton and, um, who Total. could, who could both get it done. And, and then even Moye could take that four spot at the top of the, you know, as, as the, the cutter he could flash could, high and do something yep, out of it. Yeah, exactly. And so they were dangerous. They were dangerous. And and they had shooters. I wouldn't say they were heavy shoot. They weren't a heavy. I mean, but nobody no. was at that point. They would nobody shoot was a lot a more now. <laughs> yes. Now they yeah, would. That's for sure. And, and yeah. And I think some of those percentages obviously would go down. But Hornsby was basically a knockdown guy. But he was really the only one. Life was, too, by his senior year. He shot 47%. As that was senior. his junior year. Oh, whatever. Yeah. What? Yeah. He came he back. To the, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he came back. Player. He was the guy. That's right. Coverdale was gone, but he was back. Yeah. And yeah, he was with uh, Bracey's first year. Oh, Coverdale was there too. Coverdale wasn't was he? there too for Bracey's yeah. first year. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Wait, was Fife on that team? I think he was. I thought Fife was a senior in 02. Maybe I'm yeah, getting played, confused. He played in 03? Uh, no, he was gone. So he was okay. I got I got Fife and Coverdale confused then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coverdale was still there. Oh, oh one. Yeah, the oh one. No, it's oh oh three oh two oh three. Oh one oh two is the team that went to the title game. So Hornsby was still there. God, and then that oh three team was unbelievable to start the year. They won that huge game against Maryland. They won the Maui too. Yeah, and Bracey was the MVP. And then it all the Kentucky game. It all fell apart after Mike. Yeah, it was a rough. uh, They made the tournament, but they finished like, yeah. Let's see, they finished eight and eight. In the conference yeah. and twenty-one. Wow, sixteen conference games seems so quaint. Uh, yeah. Twenty-one and thirteen. They did make the tournament. Imagine playing everybody twice. What an idea! They actually won their first round game. They were a seven seed, beat did. Alabama, and then got hammered by Pittsburgh yep. by twenty-two. Ouch! Man. A team with George Leach, AJ Moye, and Jeff Newton finished a hundred and second in the country in defensive efficiency. Wow. How is that even possible? George, George, I will say this. George Leach, in his later career, was a rough watch. Yeah. I, he belonged as a, a really good role player, yeah. I think. Still blocked a lot of shots, but still. He, he did, Defense but offensively. not have been that was, bad. Was Man, Lord. so wait. Rod Wilmot was a redshirted on the team that went to the final? I thought he was a – it says RS freshman. He in definitely didn't play. Yeah, and I don't think he didn't play much in 03. No, he didn't. Let's see, 02. Yeah, his No, his I think it's saying he I think he's 04. saying he redshirted that year. Yes. Is what it's saying. Okay. Yeah. Cuz it says RS freshman, usually that means yeah. they were a redshirt freshman that year, but it looks like he was not on the roster the year before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, awesome question, Jeff. We appreciate that. And that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, Join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights, even in the off-season, Fred, for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you to everybody who is here live and everybody listening on the podcast. We appreciate it. We'll be back to talk IU basketball with you next week. Until then. Take it from me, Roman Langford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mrs. Stansoni. San Diego chicken. Why'd that have to get thrown in? I don't know. You're about to talk. 
so I mean, everybody knows the answer to this question, but Bracey writes, what NBA All-Star is Bracey Wright's high school teammate? Darren Williams. Yeah, there you go. Everybody knows that. From the it's Colony, like, which is like five stand. minutes from my house. And it was funny because Bracey was by far the higher rated recruit. Yep. It was. Uh, All right, gents. I will not be here next week. The Packers have a Thursday night game, so I will be on double bedtime duty. So my wife can sweat out a Jordan Love start. Um, so I will leave it to you, gents, for next week. And one of these weeks, whether we do it this week or next week, we we got to do our plant the flag episode. Because there's been a whole lot of like, well, I think this, but this. And I get it because there's a lot of questions around this team. We got to plant our flags on the stuff that we actually think is going to happen. Good no luck more, with that. No wishy-washiness. Plant your flag. So whether right. we do that next week or not, we'll do it soon. And then we got to do the over-unders. Uh, episode with Jay. Whoa, 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 whoa! If you're if you're not here, we ain't playing. We're not nope. gonna do no plant the flag. No, I want to be there for that episode. Cause yeah, I've got yeah, some yeah. Flags so, to plant. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. All right, <laughs> you ain't getting off easy. Scout. I want to get off picks. easy. I want to be there. I want to be there. <laughs> Certain players don't get enough respect on this show. I don't oh know. My oh my goodness! I don't know what my schedule is for next week, but I'll I'll let you know as soon okay. as I know. I know Andy will be here, so yeah, Andy yeah, I'm good too. Big goal. Did you see the the big soccer highlight today? No. Uh, oh, which one of his daughters was it? Scored the game winning goal for JV soccer. Oh, my, oh, oh so for you're, Andy, oh, you're talking about Andy? Yeah. Oh no. What did he tweet it or something? Jen did. Am I? Oh, did I get really? that right? Yes. Uh, Hannah Bottoms with 25 seconds left scores on a free kick, and the. It was her awesome. first career high school goal. All right. It's go, a Dan. long free kick, too. You got to watch the video. Jen posted Banner it. moment right there. Okay, yeah. That is the banner moment. Yeah. Awesome. Big, big ups to Hannah there, man. That was awesome. Or shoot the ball. Yeah, exactly. She did. <laughs> exactly, Andy. She got it done. She, he, you what know are you he worried about? that from the stands. Just shoot. <laughs> Forget the cross. Just shoot it in. It's a great, great goal. It is. Elite. That's awesome. And uh, Jen is, in the video, Jen is yelping. It's great. Yeah, I just That's posted awesome. it. That um, is awesome. Okay. Well, congratulations to Hannah. That's that rocks. All right, everybody. All right. We'll see you all soon. Later, guys.